If I am correct, that means the Democrats will have a 52-48, I think I'm doing this math right, 52-48 margin in uh, in the Senate. So there it is. Those are my, my predictions. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Hey, this is Anthony Weiner, and welcome to a special edition of The Middle Unplugged, a podcast from the Red Apple Podcast Network. If I sound a little hoarse, it's because it is early Wednesday morning, and I want to thank our amazing producer, Michael Garcia, for coming in and helping to put the, a little bit of a bow on a partial results from the election. We're going to have a full wrap-up on my Saturday show, The Middle, which is on Saturday from 2 to 3, but wanted to drop into your feed with just some observations. Look, a crazy night in many ways, but in some ways, this was a little bit of a return to normal. We don't have all, as I sit here, I don't have all of the results to give you a little peek behind the scenes. Usually I record The Middle Unplugged on Tuesday and it lands on Wednesday morning. I'm here Wednesday morning because I want to try to get as many of the results in as possible. You're going to hear a lot of these same kind of summary things. You know, I did a prediction show last Saturday where I looked at all the races. I did remarkably well. I predicted just about all of the Senate races correctly. And I also made a point about being careful how you looked at the polls because we had two universes of data. You had the professional polls, the ones that kind of do it for a living year in, year out, have standards, are fairly transparent. And you had a lot of polls that you had to really watch carefully because someone was paying for them. And usually the person that's paying for them or the organization that's paying for them has a story that they want to tell. And sometimes those polls are not as accurate. And sure enough, if you take the two groups of polling, the ones that said this thing could have gone either way was nip and tuck one or two points in either direction, they turned out to be right. The races were very close, but in so many ways, it was a surprising night for Democrats. And just to recap something you've heard over and over again, between the combination of Joe Biden being at record low popularity, you've got 40-year high inflation, so many other problems. Structurally speaking, this should have been a very good uh, night for Republicans, and it wasn't. And not to be too corny about it, but I think it comes down to looking at this through the four Ds. First, you know, or Dobbs and the deniers, the first two Ds. We sometimes forget that the day-to-day, moment-to-moment issues that animate some voters, crime was an example, the economy, things that kind of come and go. And there are policy differences that people feel. They're on a different level with many voters than real existential deep things like a woman's basic constitutional rights or in the case of the election deniers, the question about whether we were going to have a democracy that functioned the way that we have expected it to. You know, Tim Ryan in Ohio gave this really gripping concession speech where he made a big deal of the fact that he was indeed giving a concession speech and that that was an important thing. And so when you look at the people who are out there that don't just vote because they're Democrat or because they're Republican, but sometimes are open to persuasion. And if you look at voters and issues that cut across all voters, things like Dobbs, the Dobbs decision that overturned a woman's constitutional right that she had for 50 years, and for many voters never knew anything but that, and the election denial phenomenon, I think really struck people as who were in that middle that they wanted to push back against those two things. The third D is the Donald. I mean, you're going to hear this a lot, and I'm sure if you follow the conversation last night, you know, with all of the structural advantages the Republicans had, there's no other way to look at this than the candidates that were put forward and pushed by Donald Trump didn't do well because of the things I just mentioned. They raised concerns with a lot of voters about what type of leader they would be. And make no mistake about it, 
Donald Trump did not win the popular vote in 2016, didn't win it in 2020. He is not a popular figure and definitely not a popular figure among educated people, people in the suburbs, swingy kind of voters. And so when you look at these at this phenomenon, you realize that basically, you know, the Republicans missed an opportunity to seize an opportunity here. That is true to some degree also here in New York. I know that a lot of people have said, oh, it didn't matter. Choice didn't matter here. That Zeldin said he wasn't going to do anything on the right to choose. You know, but the fact is he was 100 percent anti-choice. He was an election denier up to the point that he voted against certifying the elections. As close as it came, as much as crime was on people's minds in New York, as animated as voters were, I think that might have been the difference. If he were a different type of candidate that softened those edges, I think this might have been a win for Zeldin. But there's one D that the Republicans can really have to look carefully at, and that is DeSantis. Florida is now a deep red state. He is not only under his leadership and under his political acumen, not only has Florida continued to be red, which frankly we kind of expected, but even parts of Florida that have been Democrat for as long as I have been alive switched in this election. And at the same time that Donald Trump was being repudiated, it sure does seem that the DeSantis form of being a Republican is very appealing. Now, I don't think it matters. I think Trump and Biden are nominees and we're kind of stuck with them because I think the moment that Donald Trump gets in the race, he wins. But this really should give Republicans some pause. And let me conclude with one other note, and it's about you know, kind of how we look at elections. There is this tendency to believe that, you know, you can't really tell anything from polling or you can't really learn very much, that everything is completely random. Everything we thought we know, we can throw out the window. No, there are still some basic things that we should be able to agree upon. And, you know, one of the winners on election night this year was the middle, the namesake of this podcast and the namesake of the show that I do on the weekends. I think at our core, Democrats, Republicans, Americans are fundamentally fairly moderate in their views. They viscerally respond when things get too extreme. When people take extreme views on guns, extreme views on abortion, extreme views even on other issues, on the Democratic side, I think fundamentally there is a gravitation towards the middle that ultimately is now a middle left place. And if the Republicans continue to pursue policies and to pursue candidates, and again, getting back to the ones that they fielded, that are going to the hard corners, the hard right corners of their party, and then they have to lurch back in time for the general election, I think fundamentally they're missing opportunities to win seats they should be able to win. By the next time we speak, when I have my weekend show, which is every Saturday from 2 to 3 on 770 WABC Radio and anytime on WABCradio.com and as a podcast, I think we'll have a little more perspective. We'll know exactly what some of the tallies are. I'll also go through some of the picks, the predictions that I made. And I have to say that while we're going to probably have divided government, it looks like the House of Representatives was taken over by Republicans, but by a very narrow margin, that now all of the parties in Washington a narrowly divided Senate, which looks like it may be Democratic, a narrowly divided House, which is going to be Republican, and an unpopular president. There's, we're at a junction point, an inflection point. 
And I think that if the th- those three entities decide, you know what, I have something at stake here to try to get some stuff done, to try to not just appease my hardest flanks, but to try to get some stuff done. I think you might have a scenario where everyone thinks it's in their self-interest to work together for a change. And that has me optimistic on this day after midterm madness. So that's our brief check-in on The Middle Unplugged. If you like what you're hearing here, feel free to share it, subscribe. You can check back to the Red Apple Podcast Network to find any of the other podcasts and the repurposed shows that are on the air at 770. We really appreciate you being along and I appreciate all the support you've gotten it. And this is the end of The Middle Unplugged. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.